Good morning and a very warm welcome to each and all of you on this brand new Sunday morning. I know I say it every Sunday, but I mean it every Sunday. It is a pleasure to gather with you. It is a pleasure to be in your company as together we take the time to stop and to be not only in one another's company, but in the company of God, to give him thanks, to bless him and to receive his blessings. So let's Let's come together now as Stephen leads us in a word of prayer. Friends, let us be still in the presence of the Lord and bow our heads in prayer. You can't help yourself, God. You can't help but love us. In our hurt, you hold us. In our turnings, you call us. In our sinfulness, you understand us. In our straying, you challenge us. In our hesitation, you persuade us. In our anger, you listen to us. In our silence, you wait for us. In our reluctance, you bide with us. In our fear, you stay with us. In our loneliness, you speak to us. In all of life, you love us, and you can't help yourself. And finding no reason to do so, other than the want, the desire, and the instinct, you give of yourself to us and the world. May our communities be this way, our societies, our neighbourhood, our families, our churches. And may the love that cannot help itself hold and shape this world, cradled by and drawn to your realm. Matthew tells us, Jesus sat down and when his disciples had gathered round him, he began to address them. We sit down, Lord, to watch television, to use the internet, to write a letter, to mend clothes, to rest our feet, to listen to music, to read the paper, to shut our eyes and try to forget the many problems besetting our lives. You sit down, Lord, to wait for us, to be ready for you. Help us among the other things for which we sit, to remember you, waiting for us. Amen. And now Derek is going to read to us from the Gospel of John. The following reading is from the New International Version of the Bible, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, 
There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her, she will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Will you join me now, friends, as together we say the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us for our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forevermore. And now Derek is going to read to us from Psalm 46. This reading is from the New International Version of the Bible. John 14, verses 1 to 7. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I don't know about you, but I really like the opening words of John 14. They are words that are filled with hope and reassurance and comfort. And they are all the kind of things that we all desperately need at the moment. These words of encouragement from Jesus remind us that we are never out of God's mind, that we are never forgotten about. They were spoken to the apostles in the face of terrible, life-changing and life-threatening events. Indeed, in the hours and days ahead, their lives would be turned upside down. They would know distress and fear, the like of which they had never known before. And life as they once knew it would never be the same again. In some ways, it echoes our present collective situation as a church and as a nation. COVID has become the stuff of our collective nightmare. 
To paraphrase a line from The Lord of the Rings, COVID, in a sense, has become like the one ring. It is the one fear. The one fear to rule them all. The one fear to find them. The one fear to bring them all. And in the darkness, bind them. What is a Christian person to do in the face of such danger and in the presence of such circumstances? Well, I want to really focus your thoughts on Psalm 46 this morning. So let me start with a clarifying question to help marshal your thoughts. Can you be in a state of fear without actually feeling afraid? In other words, is there a difference between feeling afraid and living in fear? I do think that there is a difference. You see, being afraid is something that happens to us. It's almost an involuntary response to danger. We don't have a choice about it. It's an emotion that hits us, that makes our heart beat faster, causing the blood to pump around our body at a very fast and often uncomfortable pace. It sets our muscles in tension, preparing us in threatening situations for fight or flight. And all of this happens for our safety. All of it happens automatically and indeed so instinctively as to be out of our control. Now think about my question again. Can you live in fear without actually being afraid? Now look at Psalm 46. I like the fact that many of the translations say that the psalmist does not say, we will not be afraid. It says, we will not fear. When the psalmist says, we will not fear, that to me sounds like a conscious decision, not an instinctive, involuntary, emotional response to a given dangerous, life-threatening situation. And it's not a decision about what we instinctively feel, but rather a conscious decision about what we will do with the feelings that we are feeling. To paraphrase the psalmist, he is in effect saying, right now the earth is shaken to its foundations and the city is in real danger, but I'm going to roll up my sleeves, trust in God, and remember that he is my refuge and my strength. He's not saying that God's promises to take away the thing that's causing us to be so afraid. Instead, his emphasis is on what we do. I know some of you are really struggling right now with anxiety and fearful thoughts, and that this anxiety and those fearful thoughts have left some of you feeling emotionally trapped in your own lives, so much so that you feel like you're living your life in fear. Now, we, each of us, have our struggles and fears of one kind or another. But I want to tell you, our struggles do not define us. What we do with those struggles does define us. There are over a hundred verses in the Bible that start with the words, Do not fear. Now, it's tempting to think that such words are said purely for our emotional comfort and reassurance. Indeed, cynics often dismiss such words as magical thinking, expressions of religious sentimentality. But they are wrong. So you need, while these words may comfort us, they also speak of God's desire to protect us from the destructive moral and ethical effects of living in fear. 
Psychologists who work on the role and impact of fear in society speak of collective insecurity as the nightmare of modern society, in part because our daily news bulletins are continually filled with warnings about potential dangers. They say that this constant bombardment about potential danger not only results in a heightened sense of collective anxiety, it also results in fear-filled behavior and thought patterns that have an immediate effect not only on our mental health, but on our moral and ethical behavior. For example, did you know that the constant feeling of potential threat has an insidious effect, not only on our individual psychic, but on the way that we perceive others? For example, in our present situation, psychologists have noted that fears of a contagion leads people to become not only more conformist, but also more tribalistic and less tolerant of difference. That our moral judgments become harsher and our social attitudes become more legalistic. Indeed, our public discourse becomes more and more characterized by legality. We increasingly find ourselves referring to other people more in terms of rules and regulations and less in terms of compassion and grace. We speak of the other in impersonal rather than relational terms, especially on issues like immigration and social equality. So what is the child of God to do in the face of such tendencies and temptations? Well, we can start like the psalmist, by realizing that while we may feel afraid, we choose not to live in fear. Why? Because like the psalmist, we too know that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Like the psalmist, we too know the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I want you to think about that for a moment. God is with us. You know, often when we are praying for people and we cannot think of appropriate words, sometimes it feels like the best thing we can ask for them is to say, Lord, will you please be with? We often say things like, Lord, please be with my wife as she's driving home on the icy streets tonight. Or Lord, please be with my dad who's very old and frail. Oh, Lord, please be with, and you can put whatever you want in there. But what do we actually mean by that statement? Now, think about it for a moment. Do we actually mean that there are some people that God is not with? And so we want to make sure that our loved ones are among those that he is with. Of course not. One thing that we can say with confidence about God is that God is everywhere, and God is near to everyone. Indeed, God is the very reason why we exist and why we continue to exist. But I want to ask you the question today. Are you aware that God is always with you? And do you draw daily on that promise and that sense of God's presence? In other words, are you resting in God's love for you. I want to encourage you to do that 
this week. And to help you do it, I would encourage you to take the time to read Psalm 46. It's a short one, and it's divided up into three stanzas, and each of the stanzas ends with the Hebrew word selah. Now, selah was originally a musical notation that indicated a pause in the music, calling for and encouraging the singer to contemplate what they had just sung. Indeed, you might translate it as pause and think about that. So, for example, this week, when you, in the midst of our culture of fear and our collective anxiety, read the psalmist words, when the mountains shake, the Lord is my refuge and strength. Selah. Pause and think about that and apply it to your situation. When you read, the nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall, but the Lord Almighty is with us. Selah. Pause and think about that and apply it to your situation. When you start to feel like you are drifting into a living in fear, read the words, Be still and know that I am God. Selah. Pause and think about that and apply it to your situation. These are some of the ways that I hope will help you to overcome the temptation to live in fear this week and instead to live out of the truth that though the mountains shake, though the nations are in uproar, though kingdoms fall, the Lord is near you. God is always with you. You have not been forgotten. God bless you. And now Hector is going to lead us in prayers of intercession. As we ask God to listen, let us make room for him in our minds this morning. Let us pray. Father of all creation, who formed us and all beings from naught, who knew us from before the start of time, hear us as we pray for others. We are all your children, whether we have faith or not, and you love us equally and without exception. We ask that those who struggle with health be blessed, that those who seek shelter, food and comfort receive. Be with those who have strayed and seek to return. Bless all who have lost loved ones and reassure us that those who have passed, as well as those living, are in your care. We pray for people who sacrifice time and energy in the service of others. We pray for leaders of government, industry and science in the search for an end to the pandemic. We pray for your church everywhere and for our ministry here. Bless our minister and his family and all those who work in your name. And in a moment of silence, let us name those we especially feel need our prayers at this time. Finally, we ask that you bless us and strengthen us 
so that we may be your people in this parish to do your work. All these things we ask in Jesus' name, that they be according to your will and for his sake. Amen. And now, friends, go now, knowing that you do not go alone. And may the love of the ever-present God the Father, the mercy of the ever-living God the Son, and the enabling power of God the Spirit descend upon you and remain with you now and always. Amen. God bless you.